Thanks for joining us here on Napa Broadcasting. In the past 20 years, the Napa Valley Unified School District has had only three superintendents. In the world of school districts, that's an impressive track record. Now, this past year, we've welcomed our fourth superintendent. Throughout the state, the challenges faced by educators has perhaps never been more daunting, and layered onto that are the unique challenges here at Napa Valley Unified. Taking on that challenge is our new superintendent, Dr. Rosanna Musetti. She comes to us with an impressive track record in the Bay Area, including positions in San Leandro, Hayward, and San Jose. And it is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Rosanna Musetti here to Napa Broadcasting. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a delight to have you here. Uh, You've been to all those other places in the Bay Area. You've worked in San Jose and Hayward and San Leandro before coming here. How does Napa stack up? How is Napa different? Well, I've fallen in love with Napa. Um, It's an incredible community. So um, I think one of the the greatest impressions, initial impressions that I've had as um, I get to learn about the school district and the community at large, it's just the really deep commitment that the local community has in its public schools. And that's the kind of support that in some of my previous positions and my previous organizations that I've sort of, you know, hit the pavement, pounding on the pavement to try and really drum up. And what I've noticed here over the last couple months is that it's really naturally present, which I think is such a tremendous asset as you look to move a school district to a higher level of performance. Of course, that's often the good news and bad news. You get a higher level of participation, a higher level of of parent involvement. That also means they're involved. It means that they have greater demands on the school and the district, on the administration. I welcome those demands. I really think that when our community is involved in our schools, it presents an incredible opportunity to productively partner with our uh, families, with our community at large. I think that with that comes an inherent accountability. And I'm appreciative of accountability um, in our schools. I think that you know, it's important for the community to care about how our students are doing in school, both academically, um, socially, whether they're thriving or not. And so I welcome sort of that, you know, I I mean, you could call it scrutiny. Um, I welcome that because I think that through that involvement, through that commitment, and through those sort of eyes on the system, it, it requires us to make sure that we're delivering on the promise of making sure that every student in the school district has an incredible educational journey while they're here with us, hopefully um, from transitional kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade. As you've come into the district and listened to parents and, and what they have to say, other than the obvious wanting good schools, wanting their kids to be successful, what are some of the specific things that you've heard that either have been neglected or haven't been appropriately addressed, or things that really stood out to you as things you wanted to be part of your initiatives going forward? Yeah, that's such a great question in terms of timing, in terms of um, my arrival here in the school district, because I just recently uh, completed what I called my first 90-day listening and learning tour. So I committed as I onboarded into the organization to spend the first 90 days deeply listening and learning to a variety of stakeholders here in the in the school community I just finished that and just published my report I was really committed to engaging in the listening and learning through a variety of formats one-on-one meetings 
focus groups across the organization, uh, community engagement events with community members, and then also opportunities for staff to engage. And then I committed to curating that information, analyzing all of that data, and then publicly making it available. And so this report uh, that was a the culminating event of that listening and learning tour went to all 2,000 of our employees directly and then was made available to every NVUSD parent and is now um, hosted on our district's web website for anyone in the community to view. So I learned a lot listening to that many people in such a short amount of time. I always like to say that um, what I learned in these last three or four months, had I not proactively sought the information, could have taken me anywhere from three to four years if I would have taken a more passive role and sort of waited for the information or the themes that emerged to kind of come through my office. And I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the assets. Number one, the community involvement that you started with uh -huh. is definitely um, very uh, deep here. It's very visible. As somebody with fresh eyes, you sense it and you see it quickly. Um, I also came to learn that our employees are equally committed. There's a lot of connectivity. A lot of our employees are parents or former alumni. And so with that comes this sort of natural care. You know, we want to take care of our schools. We want to take care of the students in our schools. We want to take care of our school district because it's, it's to some extent an extension of people's families and homes because they have such deep involvement and deep connections with the school district. So um, just those two factors alone are incredible assets to leverage. Um, but simultaneously, I did come to learn or, or about the areas of growth, right? Where is it that NVUSD could become the district that, that takes it to the next level, um, that improves so that it can actually deliver on this promise of high quality um, education for every student in the school district? And I, you know, I came to learn that um, obviously... You know, there, there's definitely some some trust um, that needs to be rebuilt between the community and our school district. You know, Napa Valley Unified School District, like many school districts um, up and down the state, have been dealing with budget challenges um, that are coming to us. You know, some people think, oh, it's the local. Well, actually, you can really test across the state. There's budget pressures happening left and right. California continues to be 46th in spending and per pupil spending. And so every school district in California that's a uh, local control funding formula district is facing uh, budget hurdles. And that's real in Napa Valley Unified. And so when a district has these, um, these budget pressures, it becomes incredibly important for us to really communicate, engage proactively around what our priorities are. And it's been made clear to me that that's really an area of growth. I think the community really wants to understand what are some of those budget deficits? Why are they there? Why are they there? What's the cause of them? And, and to some extent, they also want to know how they can support and help. And so making those more visible and real, I think, are critical. And I look forward to um, working with community, engaging community around the what and the why around some of our budget challenges. So things are very clear moving forward as we have to engage in prioritization. Um, I also came to learn that because of sort of those budget pressures, it's an incredible opportunity to really determine what do we value, right? And one of the things that became evident in the listening and learning tour is that there has been sort of a lack of focus in the district, that it feels like a lot of our schools are 
sort of operating as individual islands and not necessarily as a collective system that's focused on some key um, initiatives that we're doing really well, that we're doing in a very strategic and intentional sort of way so that we can actually see the outcomes and the results for kids. So, you know, um, internally, I think there's a lot of reporting of people feeling maybe fatigued or feeling like, what am I supposed to focus on? What is NVUSD doing really well? And so my hope and my, my strategy is to make sure that we we define what are those gold signature or key programs and initiatives that we're going to focus on as a school district over the next three to four years, do them really well, fund them fully so that we can actually, um, you know, celebrate some of the successes and some of the outcomes that those programs are designed to bring to students and their families. I want to come back and, and talk some more about the budget aspects of this. But first, I want to talk about the, the independence. You talked about a lot of the schools feeling like they were kind of islands out there. How much of that is because it hasn't been purposely pulled together? And how much of that has been because of a spirit of independence in some ways on the part of the individual schools and a sense of autonomy that many of those schools wanted for a long time? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it's a little bit of both, right? Um, I do note um, in, in sort of my discoveries as I reported out internally and externally, I do note that our schools have really strong, positive school identities, which again is an asset. And that, that's probably rooted in what you described. There's this sort of the spirit of innovation. There's this spirit of autonomy because of that high degree of community investment um, in our schools. Communities can sort of wrap their arms around each of our individual schools and do a lot on their behalf. And so that's an asset, right? And so that sort of contributes to this kind of what I call a loosely coupled system. Um, our, our schools kind of being loosely tied together. Um, simultaneously, I think that um, that there is that call and that cry for, hey, you know, what are the centralized supports and services that NVUSD provides uh, well, efficiently, effectively? And that's kind of been a missing ingredient. And so I think that there has been this over-reliance on that that the, the the willingness of our schools to kind of figure it out on their own with their their communities supporting them and not necessarily intentionally designing centralized services that are going to create an incredible support system and anchor behind each of those individual schools and that's that's really important for me to discern what centralized services do we need to kind of serve as what i call the base floor for all of our schools so that you can then layer those phenomenal school identities on top of that base floor. And I, and I feel like that strong floor is, is missing right now. What is the danger in terms of that central identity becoming more prominent as it impacts innovation? I mean, as you indicated, there's always been this sense of innovation in the district, whether it's things like New Tech or River School or NVLA. I mean, mm -hmm. we could go through the list. There, there's been a real sense of innovation for many years in the district. How do you see that fitting into a more centralized approach? Yeah, I think the risk is low if we have the right individuals in the seat leading the work. I think all too often there's a very sort of black and white interpretation on how you can approach um, moving a school district forward. And all too often it's this polar these polarizing notions that, oh, either you know, we have to completely decentralize or we have to centralize. We have to, you know, appreciate innovation. In 
innovation and individuality versus standardization. And I like to think about a healthy middle. Um, you know, the bottom line is that especially in a time where there are um, resource management challenges, those that are imposed upon us by the state, some through the local context because of declining enrollment, that it's absolutely critical for us to have this vision around there is strength in numbers. And the more we can come together and create efficiency around some centralized services, the more all of our schools will benefit. You run a lot of inefficiencies in your school district when everybody's kind of out doing their own thing, right? It's a tremendous opportunity to prioritize and, and determine what's really important to us, um, what, what, how do we want to kind of come together and make sure that we're maximizing our resources. So I see that as a tremendous um, uh, advantage. And I, and I think that that, can, that work can be done while still honoring the spirit of innovation, which again, is one of the assets that I name in my 90-day report. Mm -hmm. I think really um, getting people to wrap their minds around a hybrid of the two is doable and actually um, an exciting opportunity that I think if there's a school district that has the capacity to do it, I believe it's NVUSD. And talk now about the budget issues, the deficit such as it is, and really what the challenges are. You mentioned declining enrollment. That's certainly one. Yeah, declining enrollment is uh, one, of the, one of the biggest challenges a, a local school district can face, right? Particularly um, our school district is what is called in the state local control funding formula. Right. Um, we're an LCFF district to give you a, an educational acronym. We know we have many of them. And in the LCFF uh, revenue model, school districts are dependent upon every student enrolling in order for us to get our funding. So here in California, it's a give or take approximately $10,000 per every student that enrolls. For every student that falls off, our, our um, enrollment roster, we are losing um, $10,000 in, in, in our budget. And so it's absolutely critical um, for us to think about ways that we can attack sort of this local challenge. For us, we know here in the Valley, it has a lot to do with the cost of living and afford lack of affordability. Many families are leaving the Valley and choosing to start their life when those their children are emerging kindergartners. They think, oh, I wanna start, I wanna be in a school system where I'm gonna be able to have my child K-12 and I'm not really positioned to be able to start kind of that life here. And so let me go do it in a place that's more affordable. Um, and so we're, we're taking a loss there. That, that is a tremendous challenge. That's sort of the local landscape at a state level. All districts in California are facing um, what, what, what has been really, really challenging, increasing pension costs. Um, we are... I'm having year by year to deal with the imposed upon us pension costs that have come to us um, via the um, via the state, via the governor's office, and the you coupled declining enrollment with the rising pension costs. It, it's really, really um, a tremendous stress on the budget that we have to uh, face, and so we really have to really think about what are our priorities. Let's let's fund our priorities, and then how can we bring efficiencies? And so, again, part of that rationale for some of the centralization of services to make sure we're maximizing every dollar to the fullest. What are some of the other areas that we might look to in terms of closing some of those budget gaps? 
Yeah, so, you know, we have a new strategic plan um, that was part of, you know, uh, uh, the 90-day the uh, listening and learning tour. Pa there was a parallel process around developing a strategic plan. The board adopted that strategic plan just uh, 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 recently. And the strategic plan is one, like, first strategy that I like to always identify because it becomes the tool for us to discern what are our priorities and becoming more efficient and more focused in the work that we do, you know, from the from the implementation standpoint, but then of course from a resource allocation standpoint. So that's strategy one. Uh, we need to look at um, uh, the revenue side of our budget. We need to make sure, you know, there's not a lot of revenue levers for school district. I mean, there's just really a handful. But one first one, obviously, is this declining enrollment um, trend. We need to put some strategies in place for us to be able to try and turn that around. So how do we make NVUSD attractive um, despite some of these local economic issues? Is there a way to draw students to our district? Um, can we look at some of our enrollment policies and think about um, potentially um, uh, uh, looking at interdistrict transfer policies and prioritizing uh, um, opportunity for maybe families that work here in the valley but don't necessarily live mm -hmm. in the valley and and really examining our enrollment processes. I'm looking to potentially part of our strategic plan names stabilizing enrollment through a centralized enrollment process. So right now our enrollment is, is all decentralized at our individual schools. That would be a process we would want to centralize so that we can really keep a good running live tab on our enrollment numbers to inform budgeting and program development. It's all part of creating that efficiency. Um, you know, we also need to look at things like um, our facilities use. Um, are we, you know, currently, how are we doing in terms of... Is there talk about closing more facilities? Well, um, that you know, school closures is always a topic as we think about facilities to make sure that we're... Um, we're creating those efficiencies in our system. We currently do not have any schools sort of on the docket for closure, but we know um, first attempting this uh, 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 enrollment, um, working on the enrollment component would be in the district's you know interest first to really uh, look at that uh, as a strategy and take a proactive uh, approach to that and then you know sort of see how that plays out and formatively year by year assess whether or not we need to become more efficient around our, our facilities. Is there any talk about eliminating classes, eliminating, there's been talk about eliminating periods in the day, how mm -hmm. does that fit in? Yeah, we, we need to look at um, our master schedules at the high school level, which tends to be sort of an area where sometimes we can, you know, carry heavy cost. Um, in American Canyon, uh, there has been the model of the seven-period day. We've been out there engaging with the community because we know that one of the uh, features of the seven-period day is that many of the students, particularly the freshmen and the sophomores, this is less true for our juniors and seniors, um, it provides them an opportunity to take sort of a full course load plus their visual and performing arts. And there's a deep sense of value around that in the American Canyon um, area, our school, you know, a particular American Canyon High School and, and, and our middle school as well. And so, uh, you know, we've been pulling the data. We worked with our parents out there, held a parent meeting, and it became very evident that the district has been allocating resources to fund a seven-period day for freshmen, sophomore, juniors, and seniors, although 
very few juniors and seniors are using the seven period day. So it's that kind of critical analysis where we need to look at, yes, these are programs that our parents and that our students value that are getting a particular outcome, but let's do a deeper level of analysis as opposed to just sort of rolling resources over or rolling budgets over and making sure that in the implementation, we're really getting kind of the return on our investment. And so we look forward to kind of those conversations where we critically look at all the programs and make sure that we're we're maximizing um, our, our human resources um, as opposed to maybe being wasteful or inefficient. Talk a little bit about uh, Napa High, which uh, prior to you coming here, certainly was a source of an awful lot of concern and upheaval mm -hmm. in the community. Talk about where you think that stands now and how it's moving forward. Yeah, Napa High um, definitely um, in my last few months, uh, you know, took up some of my time. We we know that as you have new leadership transition in, um, it, there's a, a real desire from, you know, various stakeholders and constituents in the community to sort of share their perspective, particularly when a school community has gone through what Napa High School has gone through. Um, you know, it's your, your town's name, high school, and so there's always going to be a lot of eyes and a lot of tentacles around that school because of its um, deep history and its connection to so many. Um, you know, we, we did make um, a, a leadership transition, a change there. Um, Mr. Frank Silva is serving there as the interim principal, and over the course of the next couple months, uh, we'll be, you know, engaging with the community and the staff to sort of figure out um, what's going to be the future of Napa High. And we're really excited about that. We look forward to um, bringing forth the conversation and determining what's going to be the long-term solution um, for Napa High. And our goal is that we want to make sure that, you know, our staff um, at Napa High are... Um, our, our parents and our students, of course, they're, you know, this is a high school and, and we're serving, you know, close to 2000 students. We want to make sure that people feel like there's a positive school culture there, that they're able to sort of transcend and move beyond some of the issues uh, that have been present there, that we can learn from them. What is your sense of how that's going? And how much progress has been made and how much is still left to, to deal with? Yeah, I think progress is, I think the progress was being made before my arrival. Mm -hmm. I think that many of uh, the challenges that were faced there, you know, through the hazing, and then we know that there was the um, action of, of changing a mascot, you know, those things take time and they, they, it's a process. That's, that's just, it's a process. And so that process got started before I arrived. And I, um, you know, along with my team, made some decisions to sort of facilitate and move that process along. But I think that um, through the gift of time, uh, there will be lots of healing there at the school and, and they, it will continue to, to be the amazing place that it is. There's so many great things happening at Napa High. I've been beyond impressed um, with some of the programs, the robust programs, some of the academic outcomes that are being achieved there. And so so I look forward to continuing to support the school and move it in that direction. And talk a little bit about the pedagogy, a little bit about the programs, project-based learning, which I know you've been, been very involved mm -hmm. in and which has become a bigger and bigger part of, of schools here, about technology and really what you see as, as the initiatives you want to move forward in the area of, of, of education mm -hmm. itself. In the district, you know, through its partnership with, um, you know, their, uh, New Tech has, has played a critical role here. Um, you mentioned some of the other schools, you know, um, New Tech, NVLA. NVLA has served in, in the district as a flagship for immersion. Right. New Tech has served as a flagship for project-based learning and technology integration. And so I think um, 
it's incredible to have schools within the, the school system that can serve as those models and kind of be on the cutting edge and provide uh, models for the rest of the district to sort of queue up to. Um, I've noticed that, yes, there have been uh, commitments to ideas around, you know, maybe scaling immersion programs or scaling project-based learning, but it goes back to sort of that focus that I started out with. If NVUSD is going to, you know, think about how do we take an inquiry-based approach across all of our schools, the district needs to do a better job of making sure that we have the support in the infrastructure to actually deep, deeply implement that initiative more consistently and systematically across the district. So despite the fact that we've got that flagship and we have that model, um, we haven't necessarily guaranteed that all of our teachers have had access to robust, consistent training and coaching around um, project-based learning. And so whether it's PBL, whether it's inquiry-based learning, um, whatever the initiative is, I think where that, uh, my hope around that centralized framework that we kind of, you know, hold our schools within is that whatever we choose to do, we make sure that we have the appropriate infrastructure and support for our teaching staff and our principals so that they're a actually able to implement something deeply and with integrity. Um, because with the spirit of innovation comes the spirit of lots of dabbling. And when you just dabble, you don't necessarily implement in a way that renders results for students. Mm -hmm. Talk about American Canyon High School in that regard, because it has really done more focusing on, on the project-based learning. Yeah, it. it is. ACHS is a great example. Um, I've always kind of kept my eye on ACHS. Mm -hmm. I'm just having... Um, knowledge of project-based learning and its its uh, models being implemented across the country. I always found it uh, really fascinating that a large comprehensive high school um, was uh, committed to implementing an inquiry-based model across all the content areas. And I think we've seen some, some notable results around certain areas of, of student learning and accomplishment um, because of that model. Um, but at the same time, I think that um, I have heard directly from teachers and from some administrators that, um, you know, the long-term sustainable support hasn't necessarily been there. Mm -hmm. And so in order to keep initiatives, you know, sort of having life being, uh, um, uh, making sure that initiatives have kind of a, a long-term sustainable shelf life, I think it's important for the district to really think about how do we continue to support um, these initiatives because when there is no support, we really leave it um, on the shoulders of our teachers and principals to be able to carry it on. And, and that's fine, but, but it definitely puts initiative implementation at risk. And how does social and emotional development and learning fit into all these equations as you see it? Yeah, I don't think that there's a school district right now that can afford not to pay attention to socio-emotional learning given everything that's going on outside of the walls of our schools. And so we in the district, I actually note this in, our, in my, um, my general findings in the 90-day uh, listening and learning report, and it's named in our strategic plan. We need to have a um, academic and behavioral intervention framework that our schools can all sort of follow, and one that we need to fund and make really visible. So right now, I think that there are supports in pockets of our school district. I don't think there's that common floor around how do we define socio-emotional learning, what's sort of that first tier that we make sure that all students get, what curriculum's there to support it, what personnel's there to support it and lead it, and we have an identify that as a school district. And then as you move up through higher socio-emotional needs, 
needs. If you don't have that foundational um, uh, uh, sort of uh, ground laid out for all kids, then those kids that have higher level needs in tier two, what we call tier two or tier uh-huh. three needs, they become particularly at risk. Um, and we can't ensure that we're meeting their needs when when we're not systematic about around making sure that that um, the resources are there to support kids with all the behavioral issues that we know they're facing outside of school that definitely come through sort of the the threshold of the classroom door and impact their academic outcomes. So our goal is by 2022 to have a a strong um, articulated framework for how we approach socio-emotional learning and tethered to that we have the resources that sort of come with that based upon the various levels of need and that we have at K-12. Because school districts, because they're so underfunded, can say, hey, we're gonna focus on middle school. Well, that's great, but we know all the research says that early intervention is absolutely critical. So if we if we don't pay attention to our elementary needs around socio-emotional learning, we're probably um, you know, creating a, a, a heightened situation at the middle, middle school and high school for our, our young adolescents. So we really need to think about across every school and we need to think about it K-12. And finally, what's surprised you the most, both positively and negatively, since you've been here in Napa in the district? You know, I think I, I was um, really sort of taken back by, by, you know, lots of joy and appreciation just by how involved people are in their schools. Like, you know, our, our schools are a topic of conversation. People care about what's going on at their schools. They're interested. And so, I, like I said, I think in a lot of communities, we're always thinking about how can we drum up more parent involvement and more parent support. And when I onboarded into the district, I was sort of hit by a, a strong wave comparatively speaking, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. to some of the places that I uh, work. I think it also has to do with, you know, N- Napa a, 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 behaves like a small community in a lot of ways. So um, the roots uh, that people have in this community are so deep and um, and definitely come uh, become visible and, and um, very real for people through their connections in our schools. So I'm excited to work with it. I think it's just an incredible opportunity for me to be able to link arms with people who are passionate about education, passionate about making sure that we're doing the right thing for our students, and also committed to, to that being true for every student. Um, I, I, I want that for every student in NVUSD, no matter what their socioeconomic background is, no matter what their linguistic or cultural background is. We're a school district that, that has such strong connections here in the community outside of our schools that I think we're, able, we're gonna be able to take that and you know just um, go to the next level um, with all that support and resource behind us. So I'm really excited about partnering with folks to be able to do that. Dr. Rosanna Musetti, I thank you so much for coming in and sharing with us. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Wine, food, talk. NapaBroadcasting.com.